You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me personally, I put really high expectations on myself and that can get really stressful. And many times it's kind of hard to talk to friends and family members about those things. And I need to speak to a professional. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash BGN. That's better H-E-L-P and join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health. For Black Girl Nerds listeners, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash BGN. That's betterhelp.com forward slash BGN and get 10% off your first month. In this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast, Sundance 2020 is right around the corner. So we are profiling Kamal Sinclair, who is the executive director of the Guild of Future Architects and consultant for the Sundance Institute. Kamal has spent years working internally at Sundance on the New Frontier Labs program before transitioning into her current role. Last year, she spearheaded the Institute's Future of Culture initiative. So she's going to talk to us and geek out about all of the great new future technology that Sundance is putting on this year and some of the great new Frontier Lab programs that are being offered to students that are going to be a part of the Sundance Institute for 2020. Take a listen. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. Really appreciate it. Um, for our listeners who may not be familiar, because I know that your work extends in a lot of areas, um, and you work with the Sundance Frontier Labs program, and I, I've heard of that before, and we've actually interviewed filmmakers that have programs affiliated with that. But can you kind of tell us what the Sundance Frontier Labs program is? Yeah, 
thank you. But first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, inviting me to the program um, and talk to all the black nerds out there, all the girls that, um, you know, are, are just part of the tribe that are kind of really impacting the future of culture in such phenomenal ways. So I'm really excited to be in conversation with you. Um, so New Frontier is a program that um, the founder, chief curator, Shari Freelo, who's also a black girl nerd, um, founded back in 2007. She's been with the festival as a programmer for the film festival, for the films at the festival for, you know, two decades. Um, but in, you know, 2006, she started to see that culture was changing around storytelling with the kind of new access to producing a moving image work. And she saw it not only in kind of the social media culture and the kind of YouTube starting and all of that, but she also saw it in the fine art world with artists working in interactive and digital work um, platforms and using different kinds of technology um, than the traditional works. And so she wanted to create space for that explosion of kind of new ways of making story, making image, um, and making culture. And she created this exhibition space that didn't just show off the whiz-bang gadgets of technology, but actually really created space for the artists and the storytellers that were doing the real meaning-making with these technologies. And, you know, when I first came to Sundance um, to work for the program and to run the lab side, so there's two sides of Sundance in general. There's the festival side, which, you know, most people are aware of. And then there's this rich 40-year tradition with labs, which is about incubating um, phenomenal storytellers to, to create their stories and, and help them to bring it to fruition. So I got a chance to work with this community from the incubation side as they were bringing projects out into the world and into festival. Um, but when I remember my first kind of week on the job and uh, <laughs> my boss, Michelle Satter, who helped to found the entire Sundance Institute with Robert Redford back in the day, she said, your job is to find artists that make meaning. And I, for the, like, maybe two or three years, didn't even understand really what she was talking about. I was like, of course, artists that are doing meaningful work, they're doing work about, you know, race, gender, identity, and they're doing work about, you know, immigration or this or that, you know. And then it hit me, like, when I was at a matinee of a film one day um, and about cancer, and my whole relationship with my mom who had gone through two cancer battles kind of settled into my body in a way that I was like, oh, because when you're in that kind of lived experience, it's very pedestrian, it's very like, how do you just get to the next day? And then when you're sitting in an artistic expression of that experience, it the meaning of your relationships, your context, your environment, your purpose in life, all that stuff kind of consolidated in watching an artistic expression of an aspect of the human condition. So that's what's so unique about the curatorial approach to artists that are working in emerging technologies is that it's not just, oh, what can the technology do that's impressive and novel, but it's really about how does this technology enable us to uncover another layer of the meaning of what it means to be, you know, human, or what is the, how do you uncover another layer of what it means to be on this earth or in this universe. And so that is why New Frontier has kind of carved out such a unique and special place in the industry because 
technology, in my opinion, is even more impressive when you see how it can be utilized as a tool to do something transformative. That's that's amazing. One thing that really struck me um, when you described the New Frontier Labs program, you also mentioned that it's a incubator. And I wanted to kind of ask you a little bit more about that. When I think of that term, is it also sort of the way incubators work in the startup space where you help uh, filmmakers develop their craft and give them a space to be able to produce films and write scripts and, you know, be able to uh, get equipment together to put together short stories. Is that the way the incubator works in the New Frontier Labs program? Oh, man, it is. Like, basically, we're, we start off, I mean, whenever we, we kind of go through this really robust, as you can imagine, application process, we get applications from all over the world, and we get down from you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications to six. We only get to pick six a year wow. to come to the, the New Frontier Lab. And those six projects, you know, um, once you get into the lab, it's like, I mean, I hate to say like the mob, but you're like in. <laughs> you're family. Yeah. Um, and Sundance, Sundance is that with all the artists that get into the program, is that, you know, we are... There, there's a starting point of that relationship, which is coming to the lab, going to this very immersive week to three week long intensive work with your peers and with, you know, and in the case of New Frontier, in, in a traditional lab, it's like, oh, you bring in, you know, kind of veteran filmmakers, like, you know, uh, you know, that have already won an Oscar and Emmy or Golden Globes, and they all come in or, and they, they helped these emerging filmmakers, these, you know, first film uh, folks create and help to get to their, their script writer, help to kind of figure out how they're going to take the directing approach, how they're going to edit the doc or whatever. In mm-hmm. ours, although we do bring in this incredible community of about 40 people um, to support these six projects, um, we also understand that when you're dealing with emerging technology, we're all humbled to the fact that we're all kind of, the level, the, the playing field is leveled. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, None of us know really what that next step, how we're going to, you know, what will really crack the code, so to speak, on how to create catharsis and, you know, this particular, you know, uh, augmented reality, geolocative, AI-driven, whatever. <laughs> like, it's, it's something that we all have to, like, wrestle with. So we we bring in amazing people from technology, from the sciences, from, um, obviously, from the arts, um, from all different kind of disciplines, even some that are completely analog, at like theater makers and so forth. Mm-hmm. And there is this magic that happens in the mix of all of that, where, where you start to find and identify the kind of kernels of what might help crack the code on, on this, you know, how this thing is going to deliver. Um, so that's exciting. But we bring them together for the retreat. And that's a kind of a transformative experience. We also then meet with them um, like we have a roadmap session we call it about a month after the lab after they've gotten a chance to kind of really take stock of all the things that they've learned and all the advice that they've been given and, and they've retooled their approach mm-hmm. and then we get to business around how are we going to create a strategy so that this thing gets made and gets out and gets seen and, and, or gets experienced or gets co-created out in the world and so that is sometimes it's six months like some projects come to the lab and in May, and they're 
at New Frontier in January. Then they're kind of connecting to audiences and getting distributed right away. Other ones could take years. Mm. The, the virtual reality experience Traveling While Black um, by um, uh, that project, it took from 2013 to 2019 wow. to make it made. Um, but if you've seen it, you know, it... It, and there's a whole lot of reasons for that because, you know, an Oscar award-winning filmmaker is at the helm and he's doing all kinds of other films and all these things. But it also was interesting because also the, the maturity of 360 filmmaking also happened during that time in a way that it probably wouldn't have been right to have it come out earlier than 2019. And that film, you know, uh, it's just such an amazing emotion. It had so much amazing emotional resonance. And I think it really helped a lot of people that maybe even been on the fence on whether 360 filmmaking is even worth the effort, you know, like, oh, just do a regular film, this is too hard. I, I, I got all these um, people that, from the filmmaking community, traditional filmmaking community, go, oh, now I see how, you know, the potential of this medium for telling kind of cinematic stories, um, what it is. So it's, it's, so anyway, so we do have this strong connection. We bring uh, grant money through partnerships with grant makers or we bring resources through partnerships with um, academic institutions or technology companies. We've done residencies with Technicolor, with Disney, with, um, you know, we've partnered with the World Economic Forum. We've partnered with <clears throat> USC. So we're constantly working the kind of network of Sundance to bring whatever customized resources we can to help these artists make something happen. Are these types of um, projects and these films that are being created by these artists sort of a collective of different kinds of media? You're sort of bringing in digital arts, fine arts. It's not just your standard, uh, you know, 35 millimeter picture. You're you're bringing in virtual reality, augmented reality. Is that kind of what you're doing with these New Frontier Lab projects? Yeah, so... When we're assessing, like we, we always have this mantra in New Frontier that we have to follow the artists. We have to follow the creative technologists. Um, it's not about us being prescriptive about, oh, look, we just figured out this new, you know, way to do natural language processing with AI through, you know, uh, you know, home AI systems. And like, it's not like we're looking at the kind of technology innovation and saying, okay, let's, let's convince artists to use this for storytelling. We are following the in, oh, the incredible curiosity and innovative um, work happening in the creative community. Um, and some of the artists are not only kind of going, oh, there's Google Homes in everybody's house now. How can I hack into that to create, you know, conversational episodic storytelling where you're in conversation with the characters of the story and I can take over your smart home devices to create an atmosphere for the storytelling experience. Like that's one approach that some of the artists have is where they're looking, where they get inspired by any means with which they can connect with audiences, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it's not, people don't just go to the movie theater anymore. They're connecting through these kinds of devices. So that's one way that some of the artists come into it. Others are on the bleeding edge um, creating and inventing the technology. And oftentimes they're doing it because they have a vision of how they want a, an experience or a story to happen that the current technology can't support. And so they start to hack and to figure out how to create the thing that will allow them to give the experience they want to give. 
Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the old story is the Oculus Rift itself, the very first prototype, because VR is a very old medium, 40 years plus, um, that, you know, Nona Del Pena, who created a virtual reality experience at USC's <coughs> lab and couldn't bring equipment off campus for showing it at New Frontier in Sundance in Park City, Utah. So her intern, Palmer Lucky, hacked into the smartphone and figured out how to create kind of a hack uh, version of the headset to bring it to Sundance, and that became the prototype for the Rift. So these are the kinds of ways that innovation really happens um, within this community. Another one was Lynette Walworth had this amazing uh, film that she was uh, called Collisions that she wanted to bring to the World Economic Forum. She only had, she had to show 100 heads of state, a 12-minute virtual reality experience in 2015 um, in half an hour. And at the time, you know, you had to have a giant, you know, um, gaming computer. You had to have a docent. You had to have individual headsets for everybody. And it just was not feasible to try to kind of pay for a hundred um, hundred different systems and docents to, to manage that in 30 minutes. So she worked with Nancy Bennett at Tupac Circus, and they hacked um, an opportunity, a way to create simultaneous um, uh, simultaneous virtuality screenings. And that kind of changed the game for access around the bottlenecks of getting audiences in and out of experiences. So it's just interesting to see how, and now even this festival, 2020, you know, we have Lynn Hirschman Leeson, who, you know, is one of the earliest artists to play with biomedia, encoded media on DNA molecules. Um, so we had mm-hmm. artists that have biohackers that have come in and, you know, really played with the boundaries of, um, you know, uh, pushing the boundaries on privacy and DNA, um, which is a long story. Heather Dewey Hagborg, if you look at her stuff, we've had artists that have been, you know, figuring out how to create um, social AI entities that will live for 100, you know, will, will live 100 years beyond um through oral storytelling tradition that will kind of change the relationship with, you know, memoir and history making. Um, it's just, it's, yeah, I wouldn't say that there's a kind of thing we're looking for in our application process. We try to create a way in which we can, the, the innovation that's already happening out there, we can surface and we can support those that are not only, there's a couple criteria, not only are they in the cutting edge of, they have to be asking a question of emerging kind of forms of storytelling that nobody else has yet either answered at all yet Mm. or hasn't answered enough yet. Like it hasn't been refined enough yet. So we don't want just to support a single artist and a single project or a single technology. We want to support six projects that in one way, shape, or form, whether they succeed or fail, will help the entire storytelling field learn something to move to the next level of innovation and emergence. So you're looking for artists that are obviously creating something new and innovative, but also tapping into some kind of new technology or some sort of creative technology with their project. Well, we say that we're looking for those that are innovating the art and form of story. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're creating a super innovative, you know, um, feature that, everyone can see through a traditional, you know, single channel screen that no matter how innovative the content might be inside of that, 
that's still something that would live in the inside of the future film program or inside of the doc program because even though they're you know hundred plus uh, mediums they're still constantly innovating so we don't want to say we're you know the only place where innovation happens we're supporting artists that are breaking out of the traditional screen or out of the traditional theater um, proscenium because mm. we're not just about um, you know it's not all moving image work we're, we're open to any medium um, and sometimes that is uh, kind of a new approach to a hybrid hybridization of old technology as well um, like you know supporting at one point there was um, a, an innovation that we were supporting around hybridity between documentary and video gaming so that it wasn't just about like sitting and watching some doc, you know a documentary story unfold from a passive position but trying to put you into the conditions of that moment of whatever is being documented so that you have agency inside of a, a real story and have to live through the consequences of your actions mirroring whatever consequences somebody in your position in real life had to live through to give the audience not just an understanding of what the historical moment was but also give them a sense of what it must have been like to be in the shoes of someone having to navigate that historical moment. So 1979 Revolution, the video game, was, was the game that we supported that was trying to crack that code at the time. But they were using Unity, so, and they were doing it on tablets and PCs and um, gaming consoles. So it wasn't new technology, but it was a way of trying to understand how to use gaming technology and the agency that gaming genre and format and discipline does to mm-hmm. crack a new thing into documentary right. storytelling. Right. So Sundance is obviously a huge festival. And uh, for people that are going up to the mountain, whether it's their first year, or maybe they haven't really explored uh, the New Frontier program yet, where are you presenting uh, some of these uh, new projects and innovative uh, new lab technologies for, for folks that are going to be attending the festival this year? Well, um, New Frontier has multiple venues. Um, the Ray is where one of the, the, the Ray and the space right next door to the Ray are the kind of main uh, places where you can be able to connect with the New Frontier program. There's um, part of the program is black box theater, you know, shared VR screenings. Part of it is exhibition that's showing off incredibly new works um, that are kind of more of an installation-based um experience and then of course there are um uh, panels and programs like that that might be more spread out but go to the new frontier um program festival when it's uh, program online also get the new the sundance i'm sorry get the sundance festivals program online or get the sundance app festival app and you will be able to navigate to new frontier um i will recommend that to get into the program <laughs> <laughs> The tickets sell out very, very fast. So if you're buying the tickets online when they become available in January, I would be there as soon as they drop. Mm-hmm. On I, I don't know the day and the time, but if you go online, you'll, you'll find it. it. They sell out quick. <laughs> so we don't want you to miss out. Yeah, which is pretty typical of Sundance tickets in general. <laughs> um so what are you excited to see at Sundance this year? I, I can imagine you already have a huge busy schedule um, anyway, uh, tackling all of this, but 
what are you excited to to catch while you have some free time in between all of what you've got going on? <laughs> well, definitely a new frontier. There's some projects. Um, so I um, was the director of the New Frontier Lab programs for seven years, and in April uh, was my last day in that role. Now Ruthie Doyle is leading the program, and I um, am working on uh, as the executive director of a new nonprofit called the Guild of Future Architects, which is basically taking a lot of the learning that I had when I was at Sundance around needing to bust the silos between art, science, and technology for um, navigating, you know, essential technology. So we support, uh, we incubate collaborations among intersectional, um, you know, people that are from these different disciplines to imagine and prototype bold ideas about the future. Uh, what's the future of food? What's the future of uh, criminal justice? What is the future of um, ethical AI? Like these are the kinds of things that the collectives that we support are working on. And a lot of that passion to support that thinking came because I saw the incredible rich opportunity at the intersection of art, science, and technology that um, I got to be a part of through the New Frontier community. Um, so I'm uh, coming for the first time in seven years, not as staff, but as someone who gets to just enjoy the festival. Oh, nice. uh, I am going to be helping with a panel, um, and I've, I've got a couple panels that I've, I'm producing um, and moderating, so that'll be exciting. But but when I before I left, the last lab um, that we had uh, that I got a chance to be part of creating, um, there were some of the projects that came to that that are now at coming to the festival, so I cannot wait to see what they look like gone from the incubation phase to now presentation phase, and one of them is Chomsky versus Chomsky. This is a really interesting project from Sandra Rodriguez out of MIT. Um, she has created, uh, Noam Chomsky is one of the most digitized people in history. Mm -hmm. um, she got access to all of this data about him from all different kinds of data points and, and media formats. I was able to, to use um, or to develop uh, a system to create a, an AI version of Chomsky based on all that data. Um, and then she's also working with Chomsky himself and through volumetric capture has also captured him uh, as he is today. And so you're going to see this kind of tension between the AI-generated version of Chomsky and something that's more representative of his ideas and his thoughts today through volumetric capture, and you're going to have this experience of, you know, how well does it hold up to see an AI-generated version of yourself, um, which, you know, as, we, as we've developed so much data in our lives, and as we, in the future, you know, our historians, our ancestors, they're going to, I mean, our, our progeny, they're going to be using AI-generated analysis of who we are and use that as a lens to understand who we are, so we kind of get a glimpse from this project of how the future of kind of history might be and how well does it stand up. Um, so it's pretty interesting, that Chomsky versus Chomsky piece. Um, I'm also super excited to see Breathe. This is uh, by a gentleman, Diego, who uh, we supported through a residency with John Hopkins. Um, this piece uses augmented reality in a really profound way to allow you to understand in relationship to you know, uh, biometric devices on your body, how your own breath is part of the kind of ecosystem. Um, so you get to see your, the way in which you're, you're breathing in real time 
is working in the room, is working in coordination with an augmented reality tree that's breathing out uh, oxygen and breathing in your carbon dioxide. And then it goes and it keeps scaling up until you see from a global perspective how your breath is interconnected to the entire ecosystem of air around the world. So that's a beautiful piece. Um, I'm excited about, you know, Lynn Hirschman Leeson's work where she's, you know, taken, you know, decades of diary, um, video diaries that she's created and embedded them on DNA. And we're going to get to see what is how DNA media, (laughs) what is, I mean, that's just a phenomenal thing that not only can we store media on DNA, but we also know from Caltech about a year and a half ago, two years ago, that they're able to create simple artificial intelligences through DNA molecules um, and, co- and creating that through the kind of coding that we can do with DNA manipulation. So that is opening up a whole other realm of the potential of media and storytelling. Um, so I'm excited to hear what she has to say about that project. Um, oh, Living Distance, another project out of MIT. Um, uh, these artists are also <laughs> engineers um, that have been working with Blue Origin, um, the Jeff Bezos uh, uh, rocket, basically sending materials into space and into you know uh, into close orbit. Um, and this is an incredibly beautiful poetic piece where the artist has sent her own. Um, Part, like her wisdom tooth up into space and created the first robotic choreography with a piece of her kind of human organic material that's gone up. And it's really kind of, there's a, a multiple levels of the experience that she'll have. You'll get to see the documentation of this robot choreography that she has her tooth embedded in um, that went up with the Blue Origin. You're going to see um, a, a virtual reality kind of full body haptics um, kind of poetic relationship of her as being a Chinese woman, uh, her perspective on the cosmology of space and, and kind of human existence. So that is a pretty far out project. Really one of the more ambitious ones in terms of bringing in, um, you know, our relationship to the universe and to space travel. Um, it's, yeah, it's a pretty wild and wonderful exhibition as it always is. And I can't wait to That's awesome. It sounds like it's going to be a really big year for Sundance. Really excited for you that you'll get a chance to relax this year and enjoy (laughs) the festival (laughs) and do some panels. Well earned, I will say. I mean, going seven years of, of, you know, the staff at Sundance and the volunteers at Sundance. Let me just give it to them. Shout out. You guys are amazing. And slightly superhuman. So I'm glad I don't have to be superhuman this year. <laughs> I, to be regular human. <laughs> I know it's a lot of hard work that you guys put into running that festival. Um, so kudos to you guys. Um, and thank you. Thank you so much for shedding light on what you guys are doing over there. I think it's really important work. And to our listeners, please check out Sundance January 23rd through February 2nd in Park City, Utah. Kamal Sinclair, thank you for talking to Black Girl Nerds. It was lovely to chat with you today. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. 
The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.